is it about a whiteboard that is so magical in terms of the way it allows you to, what is it, express yourself? I think it's like an yeah, exit not. door for your head. It's like the, the eject button. You, you, you start to feel overwhelmed, you just purge. James earns millions from internet marketing. Tim's got millions of questions. Welcome to Freedom Ocean. Now, jump on in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Freedom Ocean. I am Timbo Reed. Right there is Jimmy James Schramko. G'day, Timbo. We should be able to paint a picture, Jimmy, Jimmy I think, well, right now. I thought that was funny counting down three, two, one since we are in the same room. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. sure. It's nice. It's nice. It's, but yeah, it is nice. It's that, it's that idea that we're doing something together. Correct. There's a lot of love in this room. Let me let me paint a picture for everyone listening right now. I'm sitting in James's apartment in I was gonna say Bondi, but it is Manly. We are overlooking the ocean. We are sitting in a dark room. James has a <laughs> very uh Sort of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, chandelier above his head. We are surrounded with technology. Uh, I'm sitting on a couch which I think would be listed in any atlas It's that big. No, it actually comes with its own postcode. I have no doubt. So, mate, it's great. It's lovely to be able to um, look out to the real freedom ocean and to kind of eyeball each other as we, um, as we banter our way through this episode. So depending on the level of audio engineering we do, yep. you may be able to hear the surf. But that's probably one of the greatest attractions for me is the fresh air and the continual little surf background. It's quite relaxing. Yeah, it is. You can get used to that. I, I'm just sitting here in, in your lounge room, mate, and just been into your office and even in your kitchen, you, you're surrounded with technology. You cannot walk five metres without bumping into a tripod, a lighting setup, a stand-up desk with a MacBook on it. You have got all sorts of stuff. And I, I wonder, like... Five years ago, you wouldn't have had. You might have had um, a Zoom microphone. Hey, that's an interesting topic because when I went to visit Google, they were talking about how many televisions or screens actually is what they were talking about people encounter in a day. Mm-hmm. And then they started to include things like smart microwaves, fridges, your car, your watch, your phone, blah blah blah, and they and they were counting up ridiculous numbers like fifty or hundred screens yeah yeah but i will say i actually i uh, think that i have a fairly effective setup but i don't think that i have a lot of all these items i actually have less i'm actually using one computer now and one external monitor and that desk that we're looking at the stand-up desk i have spent the last uh more than a month cooperating from that single space so Within a, is, is that your space there, that little... That's uh, where I work. We would be calling that... I reckon that's... Uh, it's not even a metre square, that desk. It's got a fancy new iMac up there with a Rode mic hanging no, on. No, so it's a MacBook Pro with an external monitor. Oh, you got the monitor. You yeah, so it's that, that MacBook Pro yeah, travels yeah. with me all around the world. Yeah. When I come home, I just plug it into that uh, with the Firewire and it's connected to the Ethernet cable because that's where the modem is. I get a yeah, much right. faster connection over the Ethernet. I've got the good quality mic, the good quality camera. That is my eagle's nest. That's where I'm operating. The eagle has landed. You know, um, one of the things that I find when I speak to, because all this equipment, by the way, is A, to run a business, but a lot of it's also to create content, which you are prolific at. I always get a lot of questions about, you know, what mic do you use? What's your setup? And I'm sure you would too. And I think it's a little bit of a... um, 
always think, forget those questions. You know, that, that's the easy part of your marketing of your business. I think you should be more focused on the quality of your content and what it is you're going to share. Yeah, I think that tools will, will change. I like the idea of getting a good tool. And you love a good tool. I love a good tool and I like to stick with that where possible. I'm not trying to introduce new stuff. I'm trying to remove stuff. Mm. So I do have a box with old gear in it that I don't use anymore. Mm -hmm. I've found the tools of my choice and I could use these comfortably for quite some time. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll use the – you asked about my other computer that I used to use. Mm -hmm. I used that for a year and a half. It was great. I then found that the processing wasn't enough. So I needed to replace the tool because it couldn't do the job that I wanted to do. The tool that I've got now I can see lasting a long time. Mm -hmm. Same with my iPhone 5. The only reason I upgraded to that was because I could do high-definition selfies, which you couldn't do on the 4S. <laughs> I love it. Well, videos. Oh, you're such a selfies guy. No, no, the, the videos. Right. You can't do a high-def video on the 4S, but no, you, can you can on the 5. Yeah, correct. So the thing that hasn't really changed a lot are the fundamentals and human beings. Yeah. And I have this boss who wasn't big on the internet when I was in the car game, and he was always harping on about, Humans haven't changed much for 3,000 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. And let's get back to the fundamentals. When someone walks into the showroom, we'll meet them and greet them. We'll offer them a tea or a coffee, Mm -hmm. shake their hand or exchange names. We'll find out what they want. And, you know, I was just going through the process of buying a car uh, during the week and it's all out the window. The the, the old place, my old Mercedes-Benz dealership where I used to work, there was just nothing. Like It's like you've got to work to buy something these mm-hmm. days when you phone up. And I just think that I bet you they're surrounded by whiz-bang, great gadgets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get these little auto-generated uh, emails yeah. and direct response crap that comes into my mailbox occasionally. They haven't once invited me to a drive day or a golf day, nothing personal, mm. and they miss out because of that. Mm. They're, they're not even doing the basics, but they've got all this tech stuff. I'm just, uh, I've just finished a book which is based in sort of like 12th century medieval England and it was a big, very big book. And what I noticed is that they went through generations and generations of people. Um, people haven't changed. Even back then, you know, they were still dealing with the same problems, you know. It's just that circumstances have changed, technology's changed. But people back then were still dealing with problems of, you know, it was greed or envy or famine or whatever it was, you know, it's just... just. But uh, I found I was watching a movie the other day and I could predict exactly what was about to happen each time because there's only a certain number of storylines. Yeah, there are. And uh, it's almost like having a superpower. You, yeah. can, you know what's coming next because the, the pattern is there. And I've really been enjoying history and learning more about the past. Um, one of my books on the coffee table here is Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin, yeah. And... You know, learning about how they re- remixed and ripped off other artists that came before them, but there really isn't that much new. And and there's a great TED presentation about everything being a remix. And the same is true of, of uh, war events mm. like Iraq, and then and then the, the then ten years later, the same sort of stuff. If you look, I saw some film with the young Julian Assange in it. Really? And when he was a kid, not him, but someone yeah, playing him, him, when he got arrested when he was a little teenager, he was hacking into, uh, you know, war files and finding that there were civilian casualties and stuff. And then 10 years later, it was exactly the same stuff, but with more modern technology. Yeah, right. But General Patton was great at reading the old war books because he knew the lie of the land. They were literally fought on the same land. 
in you know in the same places. And we're he knew very, we're not very quick learners, are we? We're not fast <laughs> learners, and we, we repeat mistakes in cycles because the whole generation forgets about stuff. So. If you want to predict the future, it's a good thing to look in the past and have a look for trends and cycles and behaviors that just continually reoccur. Hey, Jimmy, you mentioned superpowers before. What's your superpower? (laughs) (laughs) What what are you thinking right now? Now now I've asked you that question. You've got to be honest here. No, the word that comes to mind is acuity. I think I... Hang on, just hold that thought. When I asked you that question, were you thinking, wow, which one do I choose, honestly? I'm thinking which one would would people say about me, mm-hmm. and that is that I'm reasonably connected to what's going on around me before other people figure stuff out. I've had really good timing with stuff with my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, with it's like that little spidey web, I can sort of sense things coming before they happen, mm-hmm. and I don't think that that is a, uh, a I don't think that's a premonition or psychic ability. I just think that I'm more aware of patterns and cycles and behaviours because of the amount of face time I've had with people with Mm -hmm. debt collection and face-to-face selling, speaking to customers, speaking to my team, uh, being in forums and communities. Uh, You know, I'm quite a social person Mm -hmm. and I've just had more experience communicating to people in different scenarios like that Jay Abraham thing where he cross-pollinates industries with one thing that works in one industry will work in another. I've had a lot more exposure to stuff than most people, Mm -hmm. so I'm able to have a higher awareness of stuff. Where I do think, and John Carlton talks about this, people tend to just walk around in a trance. So I think I have a higher level of acuity. What do you mean walk around? What do you mean when you start walk around in a trance? Like, well, most people in society, yeah, they're just highly suggestive to hypnotic suggestions to drink coke, uh, work in a job. You know, it starts when you listen to your school teacher who's qualified at, at. School teaching. Yeah. They go to school, they go to school, they go to school. Yeah, wow. You know, if you think about it, the, the kid teaching a child how, the, the, and I mean kid, like some of these teachers are very young, yeah, yeah. Have, have not much ability to, to go beyond the school or education mm. um, thing because they haven't had the experience or the exposure. So I think that uh, the majority of society are just indoctrinated into the way that things happen and, and no one's really questioning it. So they're just they're just doing. I think some people don't don't even realise they have a choice. You um, just talked about the idea that you're very good at predicting the future. What what are you looking for in the next? What do you see coming in the next twelve months for small business? Well, it's the same as in the past. You know, there's always businesses come along. There's always businesses that fail. Mm-hmm. Um, it should always be sticking to the fundamentals. And give me some more context and more oh, well, granular well talking business from a business context there's a lot of small business owners listening a lot of people listening who are entrepreneurial who want to start the next big thing or have an idea that they want to get to market and I'm wondering what you see is the next I think there'll be a continual trend where retail stores realise they have to go online Mm -hmm. as I look around there's a lot of shops for lease it just in this suburb there's this there's resistance to that isn't there I've just spent the last five weeks meeting one on one with 30 different um all retailers pretty much and there's just a massive not some some of its resistance to actually doing it to actually moving their their physical store online others it's just a technology block as to wow how do i do that others have just been completely misquoted in terms of what it would potentially cost oh there's some horror stories there but horror. here's a great example i mean i took my bicycle into the bicycle store here uh, 
which services bicycles of my brand. Unusual? Yep. <laughs> well, interesting, it will be unusual because yeah. their biggest competitor in this suburb is a warehouse. And the warehouse here does $3 million a year mm-hmm. in selling new bicycles. They don't sell some brands, they don't service them apparently, and they don't do parts. They just sell new ones. And from what I've read, this company was in the hire, bicycle hire business and they wanted to restock their bikes and they realized how expensive and difficult it is to buy new bikes in Australia. So they, they actually, I think, ship the bike to the customer. They have a, uh, a ride it or return it for free policy, mm-hmm. so they remove all the risk. And I think the retail stores are getting shredded by these people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when I was talking to the, the guy there, the staff member, not the owner, about – it started off about Amex, actually. They don't take Amex. And I said, all oh, right. It makes it hard for people who, who use a certain card. They said, yeah, the owner doesn't like that card. You know, so that's, A, an interesting choice. B, I said, so what are you guys doing with the online stuff? And he said, yeah, we're still waiting. I said, what are you actually waiting for? And they're like, oh, he's just so busy. The website's hard, all the rest. I said, you know, if I was the owner here, I'd be giving everyone in the staff a demo bike. I'd buy the GoPro for the office Mm. per person and say, go nuts with it. And then I'd have all that footage edited. He goes, oh, we all have GoPro footage. I'm like, so... What are you waiting for? Yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, well, with our brand, we're not allowed to sell them online. Wow. They So the brand restricts them. I'm sure it's probably against the anti-competition. Yeah. But they're not allowed to sell out of area. They're not allowed to sell online. They can only have an online brochure that sort of – but why wouldn't they be content marketing and showing people the newest arrivals and, and really beefing it up? If they don't, they won't be in business in a few years because the – the retail space around here, especially, I think, is some of the dearest in the country. Mm. Do, do you think, A, it's a pretty generic question and it might apply to every business, but do you think a small business should look to getting an online presence, uh, an online store, with a view to actually that being 100% of their channel in the future or no, I an think additional channel? Here's the other, the flip side of this. When I was in the Mercedes dealership and we, and we go back five or six years ago, uh, there was a lot of hoo-ha about, you know, cool ways to market and tricky stuff and then we're still ignoring people that walked into the showroom. Yeah, yeah. There's still a place for retail. There's yeah. still people want to go and – I mean, I, I went down to the bike shop here. It, it's in my local area. I walk past it. I like it. They can service my bike. can get a little blinking red light or white light for my handlebars. No, it's There's still a place for that but it has to be done well. And lately, especially in this country, I've been really intrigued as to how sloppy the average business owner is at talking to a customer who's actually in their store right now. It is so hard to buy something sometimes. Business owner or just staff? Because I find that business owners are pretty... A good business owner is going to have staff who work in the business as if they're the owner. Mm. You know, Mm. I went just to buy a pair of bands, some, just some skate shoes, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anyone to serve me. And I could see the ones I wanted. I'm like a lay-down customer. I yeah. know what I want. They're sitting right there, and I just need someone to go and fetch the box my yeah. size. I mean, yeah. how, how hard could it be? Not that hard. When I did finally find somebody, it was a two-minute exercise. Yeah. Do you have these in size 12? Yeah. Yes. Here they are. Try them on. Thank you. I'll take them. Not hard. So, it, but, but then... Wouldn't it be good if they said, "Oh, you know, do you need some socks with that?" Mm. Or, uh, you know, we have our we have our um, hoodies on special or whatever. Like, there's there's no real salesmanship, mm. whether it's online, offline, or whatever. I think that 
the salespeople will continue to thrive. The, the people who are just dialing it in or just just existing uh, will continue to find it very difficult. Mm. I was doing a um, I'm doing a job at the moment for Australia Post, and they uh, they have a large travel section to all their post office services. You go and get a, you get you get your passport photo taken, then the ability to then upsell people to maybe travels checks or some kind of multi cash Visa card passport, some kind of travel SIM card. Some travel accessories that you know you can take away, your money belt, your air pillow, your all that type of stuff. And yeah, I mean it was amazing. Some some get it, some some post office staff get it, others just really kind of maybe they all get it, but just aren't willing to go there. And it's getting really easy to give people money. You just hold the card at the thing, yeah. like the payway yeah. stuff. Yeah, which yeah. is great. And some people have it and they don't even know it. Yeah. They're still trying to put the thing in the How hands. amazing is that? That I mean, it's just a that, low level. That is a mate. That that pay wave thing is a game changer for me. Just in and out. And what we're talking about with um, retail stores is exactly the same for people's websites. Mm. If people could just put a phone number on it, mm. and if they could respond to inquiries, they'll sell more stuff. Mm. So we continually put more effort to our service side of the business because mm-hmm. it's kind of non-existent in some businesses. So we put more staff on our help desk uh, and, the, and the train the help desk to make suggestions that help the customer but also help you. Mm. How do you get your staff trained up? How do you, is that something you do on a regular basis? Or? Well, I tend to hire people from call centers. Mm-hmm. So they have a support mentality. Although you have to change some of the KPIs. Some of the KPIs are how quickly they can get someone off the phone. Uh, And I I don't care how quickly. Well, A, we don't do the phone. I'm the phone guy. Uh, But B, if we're on a help ticket, we we value things like how quickly we respond to someone rather than how many tickets each person's doing per day. You know, I want the customer to feel good about the company. And what I have seen is a trend lately. We've been getting a lot of compliments in our web development business by people who have tried to do the Odesk or the Fiverr or the freelancer in India or Romania or whatever and just having massive disconnects. And they're just enjoying having someone who they can talk to that is consistent and stable and uh, gets the job done and it's easy. People will always prefer to have easy and consistent uh, and and that um, reassurance They'll value that so much more than just cheap. Mm. And I think any business uh, that is online, if, the, if you're thinking that you'll take the cheap path, I warn you that is probably the worst path you could ever take. You would have thought a business that any business that chooses to go online to put a huge amount of effort into customer service and really promote that as a fact that you are going to – it almost it's like a major fear barrier for anyone buying online, which is, you know, are there people there? Am I going to get it? When am I going to get it? Is it going to arrive as advertised? All that type of service supporting that. Where all those questions answered. Well, I've actually just I just moved a couple of thousand dollars a month worth of business from one company to another, where I was not getting responses for a critical service that I needed, and I moved it based on not being able to get a response. How long did you wait? How long did you wait before you moved it? Did you tolerate it for months or literally? No, I waited a day and a half. Mm. And that was it. So you had it. Yep. And that they've lost. I've already been a customer for five years, and I spent on average three and a half thousand a month. Mm-hmm. So that's gone now. And then when they figured it out, they were begging me to stay. They were putting me onto the director. Mm. They were going to give me a free month's credit 
I'm like, it's too late, you know, and I've moved was my Was it hard business. to move? Whatever it was, was it hard to was it a, Was it a big move? Was it like moving banks or was it actually easy enough yes. to move? Yes. Well, here's the thing. For the average person, it's the fear of moving and the fear of change that holds them into a shitty scenario, mm. whether it's a bank, a phone company, even where you live. For me, I don't care. I am fine with change. I don't mind moving banks, moving accounts, moving houses. I've got to make the move for the long term because I'm thinking of the compound effect of it. What's the next two or three years? And this was one of the the considerations when I changed the way that I'd structured my membership Uh was the thought of doing another year with the wrong structure was just so expensive Uh and so unsatisfactory that I would made the big upheaval to like literally start a whole new one and close my old one mm-hmm. and migrate 500 people wow. <laughs> all because I decided that I'd be better off to structure it in a better way. Yep. So take the upfront pain for the long-term better scenario. I'd say remove that compromise. That would actually be a great action step for someone listening to this podcast is Think about something you are tolerating that you are not really happy with because over time you'll build up that shitty feeling, you build up the resentment and you will never it, find peace with it. It becomes heavy. It becomes really burdened. It does. A burden. Let it go. I was speaking to one of our mates today and he's let go of one of his business divisions because when he put it all down on paper, all of the effort for the reward, it just wasn't worth it. Mm. And it was just the pain of stopping it and turning off a little reward that was stopping him from doing it. Mm -hmm. But when he did it, he got the massive reward of freedom and simplicity and focus and everything became clear. Yeah. And I've been, you know, that's that's why I have one stand-up desk with one external monitor, one computer uh, that I'm using. Sure, I've got a spare computer that I can pull out in a minute's notice like I had to at my event yeah, right. when my slides jammed. I literally had a back backpack next to the podium with my other computer in it ready to just pull out and plug in. And, you know, I've always got redundancy in mind but you might never have to use it. That's the way uh, my new server, for example, I've set up. I have the most powerful server I can get, and I've got an exact same replica sitting right behind it. Wow. And if the server stalls, the first one, it just moves on to the second one. And I probably will never have to use the second one. That's insurance right there. Right there. And it's important because uh, the long-term effect of not having that could be detrimental. Mm. Jimmy, we have been all over the place here, mate. Have, we have, uh, have we been anywhere near freedom ocean? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all about, you know, it's all about setting up your life and your business in a way that uh, allows you more freedom. Yeah, so back to the core topic. What, which was? Well, freedom ocean. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff we talk about is mindsets and attitudes about um, how how we think about stuff that, and, and getting what we've got. So you started this with the technology thing. Mm-hmm. I guess I've sort of tied this in with the whole idea that just be effective with what you're doing. Don't suffer compromise. Have good things, but you don't need as many things. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've got way too many things. You've got well. It's interesting. Um, you, you commented earlier that you you work at having less. You've probably got more in terms of equipment. You've got more than you had five years ago, I reckon. You have- yeah, but actually, I, I've got less equipment than I had two years ago. Right. So you went hard, realized what you really you needed. That's it. I, I go big first. I get a I acquire a massive block of marble <laughs> and then I chisel it away to find my statue of David. Oh that's big. Okay, so I, yeah, I had three or four computers at one stage, now I'm down to just one with one backup. 
Mm-hmm. I uh, if I'm going to record something like this, like we're recording on our favorite mic that I travel around the world with, mm-hmm. and I only really use two mics now, and I only use two cameras these days. Mm. So it's and it depends if I'm at home or away. But my my home setup is like an office because you know I'm still running a multi million dollar business mm. from from this room that we're sitting in uh, when I'm at home and. I've got just the things that I want and nothing extra. And that good old whiteboard is just staring me right in the face. The whiteboard, you know, I started without that whiteboard because I had a bigger whiteboard and it wouldn't fit. And I started without a whiteboard again here, but I've found that... Oh, you would have had some nervous moments. Yeah. You would to pick up the texture. Yeah, and good, yeah. Well, something. you know, I literally write on... You know you can write on the Mac with a whiteboard marker? Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. That. But you can. You can write on the stainless steel bench, but... This whiteboard is getting me more leverage than most things, and I strongly recommend. What is it about? It's, it's, we've spoken about whiteboards before, but we've never tried to identify what is it about a whiteboard that is so magical in terms of the way it allows you to, what is it, express yourself? I think it's like an yeah, exit not- door for your head. It's like the, the eject button. You, you, you start to feel overwhelmed. You just purge, take a picture but, but of you, it. You could do that on a on a Word document. You could do it on a bit of paper. See, you do it on a Word document, then you close it or lose yeah. it. You'll never see it again. It's right. gone. So why, why is a whiteboard different to because writing you, on a bit of paper? you can't ignore it. It's right there. It's a big physical thing. It's like tying a little piece of string around your finger to remind you of something yeah, yeah. versus uh, setting a diary note that you may or may not see again. There's something also, there's something tactile about the whiteboard. You can, you write stuff on, it's pretty easy to erase. You can go, oh, no, it doesn't fit there and, you know, I'll put it there. Well, you probably are tapping a different part of the brain or something, analog. Yeah. And you know, what I tend to do is just put a couple of items up there that I really have to do and then I enjoy wiping them off when they're done. Yep. And then on the other side, I'll use it to mind map out a, a um, process or something. Mm-hmm. I used to have a lot more intricate. Again, another example, I used to have a lot a lot of A3 pads are filled with stuff when I started, a lot of research, a lot of planning and stuff, and I never implemented 99% of it. Mm. Now I'll draw something up, implement it, like execute, and then rub it off. So I'm doing a lot less, but I'm doing more effective stuff mm-hmm. with the whiteboard. So I use it all the time, but I'm putting less things on. I really only want to hit the whiteboard session if it's, if it's the best possible way to deal with something. Mm-hmm. Okay, just to maybe round off this episode, I... I had a um, I got driven to the airport this morning, and I'm going off on a complete tangent here, but it's something that was quite had a special moment in the uh, car way to the airport. <laughs> so this guy picked me up, and I, it's a kind of discussion around resilience. I had this guy pick me up from home. I said, "You might." His name was Alan. I said, Alan, do you mind if you drop my boys up the top of the street, about a kilometre away as the bus stop to school? He says, why don't we take him to school? He was a lovely guy. I never met him before. I said, okay. So he takes him to school on the way. He takes Jack and Will, my boys, to school on the way to me going to the airport with him. And so we do that. And he's a great, a wonderful conversation. He's got some kids just a bit older than mine. And, you know, he's really enjoying it. He's a real family guy, 59. And... So the boys get out, we get drop them at school, and we head off to the airport. And it started to turn out we had an amazing amount in common. He, he was previously a marketing guy, had a marketing business. He was a, previously a client at an advertising agency that I spent a cup of teeth at, spent many years at, to the point that his dad fought in World War II in New Guinea in the Air Force, and so did mine. And he was, he was one of six kids, and so was I. That was all pretty special. It got really special when he... Uh, said that he went back, he was, well, he was threatened with bankruptcy four years ago. 
and as a result, he lost everything. He he never went bankrupt. In fact, the tax officer still kind of got the pen over the paper to sign the form that you are bankrupt, but he's he's holding them off and he's rebuilding his life. Uh, he lost everything because a business partner did the wrong thing by him and don't know details, whatever. Lost everything. And gee, it was touching. And he was he's driving this car to pay the bills. And as a result, he's, he's also starting another business uh, where he's had two friends who have put in million dollars for him to start this new business venture and he's working on that when he's not driving and just found it absolutely touching and fascinating that he was so resilient and I said you know and he was he was being quite personal with me in terms of the details and thought wow you know there's a lot of people out there hurting and this guy had really hit a low point but was was working through it all. That's kind of the Aussie battler spirit uh, but there's, there's an example of really old um, it's an old pattern from Sun Tzu out of war without being like water. Yeah. And then Bruce Lee recycled it. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's living it. He was absolutely living it. He being was... formless and shapeless around these obstacles. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lovely way to put it, because he was. I mean he, he just he was just breaking he was breaking through walls. He looked physically spent, I must say. You know, uh I looked at him once we got out of the car, he got me at the airport and thought, Yeah, you've you've done it hard these last few years, but at the same time he had this beautiful determination. There was no sadness. Uh he understood there were learnings from it. You know, I flicked him a, I flicked him a text afterwards and just said, you know, for what it's worth, all that pain you've been through, I've walked out of that, that one and a half hour ride with you a better person. You know, I've I've been driven by uh, drivers all around the world and it's such a common pattern mm. old guys driving the hire car or the taxi yep. who are you know they're coming from behind because they've made a bad decision well they've made bad decisions or they're not prepared to grow the gonads that you need to do something bigger and bolder mm-hmm. uh, yeah a lot of old boys driving around mm. really really common scenario and there's a couple of drivers I get who are really interested in talking to me and a lot of them can't really relate to the things that mm. I share with them, but I, I encourage them and I give them a, an idea of which Kindles they might want to read. Like mm. they're driving. They, they get so much downtime so much sitting around in that car and they have an, a smartphone or an iPad or a laptop. They could be educating themselves. Yeah. They could be having an internet business for sure, mm. but quite often they don't. They, they they don't have what it takes or they don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, but it's there if you want it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a fascinating journey. I've rebooked him to pick me up tomorrow and then I'm heading into state next week and I'm just going to keep using him because I just found it was just invaluable for me. It was it was cathartic hearing his story. I find it like reverse benchmarking. <laughs> yeah, it's almost where like I'm that. like, gosh. Where you don't want to be. Yeah, it's like, gee, I'm, I feel... Um, thankful, yeah. grateful for the life that I've got, and that it's a great motivation to, you know, just keep, you know, keep making sure you take out insurance and yep. keep having that redundancy built in. Yep. You know, you, I logged onto Facebook yesterday, and some guy had lost a fan page with sixty thousand fans, wow. and someone referred him to my thing on the race course and said, you know, this is a, is it. This is a testimony to what he's talking about. James says, build on your own platform. Or, you you know, we didn't talk, I think, in the last episode, don't put all your best content on someone else's platform. Mm. And because this sort of stuff happens all the time. I had a guy, I spoke at a uh, conference last week and 
I, I talked about the idea of you know not of sharing your content around, but putting the majority of it on your own on your own platform. And I had a guy call me on it, going pretty much saying you're an idiot, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. I let him go. I let him go because he ended up making a fool of himself. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, there's always one. What else? At least one in a hundred. You know, we've spoken about it before, but the reality is, I mean, your you whole own the race course program's about it. But you can think that Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or LinkedIn or any of them is, are never going to change. It is just farce. It is a farce if you think about MySpace yeah. and um, <laughs> well, uh, it's still the MSN. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and they continue to change. I mean, YouTube made that change maybe four or five weeks ago where they've got a new header and there's a bit of a new layout, you can go to many, many people's uh, YouTube channels now and, you know, they just look outdated because they haven't changed the header or affected changes to the background or anything. Well, the Gmail inbox has just changed and all of the marketer's emails are pretty much just getting filtered out into a promotion sync. So you've got to have multi-touch points. You've got to be in front of the customer where they are, but... Bring them back to your own place and build a house list, which mm. is exactly the core asset that a retail store has. Mm. That house customer list is still the most important thing in business. That is the asset. Build that. Stay strong. I guess we'll catch up with you on a future episode. Well, hey, I've got one more question before you go. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I didn't think you were going to end that quickly. Um, speaking of building the house list and sending emails, your emails that are going out multi-topic, correct? With oh. Multi-links. Some of them are, yes. And are uh, you happy with the, how they're performing? Because it seems to go against the idea of getting people, to, giving people one thing to concentrate on and getting them to one place. Yeah, the one thing to concentrate on thing is like fishing for marlin. You know, one line, yeah. one thing. Think of what I'm doing is like long line fishing. You know, I've got a long line with a lot of hooks on it. A lot of hooks on it. And it's like bullets in copy. One of those hooks might bring someone to mm-hmm. the thing they're interested in. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. And there's a few other reasons. I've been dialing back my content in the last week or two because there's been some big launches on in my market. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be in people's inboxes at the same time as every single person promoting these big products. Mm-hmm. So I just bank up a couple of posts and then I'll send a little summary. Yeah, right. And it also improves my open rates and that helps my deliverability. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. The weekly summary is quite a popular option that people choose anyway, which is them saying, send me a digest, send me the clumped up version. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the front page of the newspaper, it's got multiple stories on it. Yeah, well, So don't take everything that people say literally. No, no, but no. if you're going to sell something bigger, like a high ticket item or a specific event or whatever, Probably a better idea to maintain the focus, mm. but for a continuous content campaign with perennial offers, then I think it's okay to, to bunch things up or to, to batch them into little groups. Jimmy James Shremko, that has been it for an episode of Freedom Ocean. I am now going to hop on the Manly Ferry and make my way to Circular Quay. <laughs> we have a wonderful time, and, and thank you for contributing to my spoon collection <laughs> with our yogurt land purchase yes, today we did we just came from the yogurt land store where we had a lot of fun a lot of flavors jimmy went the kind of pastel colored flavors i went for kind of chocolate and cream you did you've rephrased um, girly into pastel that's very well, complimentary yeah, yeah. i knew you'd take offense to girl oh, i like the uh, citrusy stuff yeah girly well mate see you next time see ya <laughs>
Thanks for diving into the Freedom Ocean with James Schramko and Tim Reed. You've just come that little bit closer to living the life you choose. Please keep in mind that the ideas, opinions, and information shared in the show are those of the hosts and do not reflect those of their past employers. And as far as future employers go, well, they're both pretty much unemployable. <laughs>